Good morning, Faith Fellowship. Welcome to uh, musical classrooms. <laughs> so, uh, hey, this is uh, one of these things that is necessary, honestly, for us to do. Uh, at this age and stage of our lives, you know, we kind of like routine, right? And just something to be the same all the time. You just, there's comfort in that, and we just, we really enjoy it. But it's good for you to have to just switch it up a little bit. And so, with the fact that there's a need to have overflow for this morning services and main service is why uh, Faith Fellowship is in here. And, uh, and then, man, you have to understand, like I said uh, about Pastor Will, uh, he is a dear brother that I love very much, um, love his class and just what he's doing and want to support, support that. And he and I have always talked about having a combined class together. And so next week, like Marcus said now, we won't meet upstairs. Okay, we will meet in the sanctuary. We will have our main service at nine o'clock. Faith Fellowship slash Class Responda will start at ten forty-five. Okay, so you will still go upstairs at nine. Nobody will be up there. Okay, and so then you'll know, like, oh yeah, Dale said. <laughs> All right, so just remember that's the case. But uh, if you have your Bible, be turning to Acts chapter nineteen. We're um, going to be looking at, you know, just starting a new chapter and uh, kind of getting into this um, uh, different phase of how the book will continue for us in Acts. Like I said, things will change a little bit. The establishment of uh, churches in various cities, that is going to kind of slow down a little bit. And uh, we're going to start seeing more about just his testimony. He'll be kind of a fugitive a little bit that'll have some freedoms uh, to be able to speak, but uh, these things will be changing. Again, remember we said about Acts, you always have to remember, when you're looking at a book, it may not be a day. More than likely, it's, it's some years uh, and months that are part of that. And just so when you understand that and kind of look at it, then you can kind of get your mind wrapped around this uh, a little bit. Our text this morning is gonna be one through seven. And uh, we're going to talk about the integrity of discipleship. Now you say, well, hell, it's Easter Resurrection Sunday. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I know that. It's like that every Sunday. Um, and absolutely, if you don't think discipleship is a part of that, then perhaps it is that this morning is going to help to clarify that for you. And so I can't have discipleship without the resurrection. Um, I mean, let's, let's be clear about that. And so... Uh, our text, like I said, will be one through seven. Let's read that and then we'll kind of get into it. It says, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and, found, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, unto the, what then were ye baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, uh, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. And so what you're seeing here is this is Paul's second trip to Ephesus. That kind of ended, remember, when we were having Bible study time, uh, in class over those two weeks, 
we had kind of seen that there's a lot of transition there and maybe you hadn't picked up on it, but there's a lot of movement. There's an end of Paul's second missionary trip and then there's a beginning of his third trip. And part of that is, and we could go back there just so you get your bearings a little bit in uh, Acts 18. If you look at, um, in verse 18 of Acts 18, it says, And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and when, uh, when then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence into Syria, and uh, with him, so now he's got Priscilla and Aquila with him, having shorn his head in Centria, for he had a vow, and he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue, reasoned with the Jews, and when they desired him to tarry longer with them, he consented not, but bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you if God will. And he uh, sailed from Ephesus. Okay, so there's, that's not the conclusion of that chapter, but you see that he leaves there. And so this is him coming back to check on what it is that uh, he's, that foundation he's been laying there, right? And so he runs into these, these disciples of John. Now, something that you have to kind of take note of is that John's ministry ended very quick <laughs> by, you know, most standards. Uh, he was beheaded fairly early in Jesus' ministry, and it's because of that transition that now there's no need to have this person kind of prepping the field for the Lord, because now the Lord is on the ground, right? And so you kind of understand that. But think about this. He ministered in the wilderness of Judea, okay, and also in Jordan. So now if we think about this, this is Ephesus, Turkey, as we would know it today. This has gotten all the way to Turkey. And, and maybe potentially it's not necessarily something that you're going to read in Scripture, but maybe even Alexandria and Egypt, because that's where Apollos is from. And so remember, Apollos had the same uh, background. His foundation is also in John's baptism. And so just so you kind of understand what's taking place there, I was at least, you know, kind of amazed at the fact that that had carried on. And it just made me think a little bit about when we have discipleship, um, what are we actually making sure to pass on? See, there should be an integrity behind the discipleship that we have. And we're going to have a chance to kind of look at even Apollos' reasoning versus these disciples and just where there may be some trouble areas and things that we need to be warned of as we consider uh, discipleship for ourselves. So our purpose this morning is to make a case for the integrity of discipleship. If we were to define that, that would be the process of conforming the believer into the image of Christ, modern day. But now, did you know this? Probably not. Early on, the Lord intended for man to take his word and learn it for themselves. In Isaiah 8, 16, the Lord saying to the prophet Isaiah, bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. So the Lord is defining the term for us already by saying that there is something that if you're going to be a learner of me, then you are my disciple. That's all the way back <laughs> to Isaiah, right? And so there is something that we kind of need to consider with that. There are two areas of concern that we're really gonna kind of brush up against in this passage. One is to make sure when you have disciples that they're putting their trust in Jesus. Okay, so now in discipleship here at MBT, I'm, I'll just go off script a little bit for a second. But ultimately, a lot of times people have family members that they're like, oh, I wanna, I wanna take them through discipleship. 
and we kind of, as leaders, we always like, are they submitted to the local truck, uh, church structure here first? Because it can, it can become academic. There are some cases where that really worked out. One that I can think of, of a guy that was in our Bible study, panned out well. That is the exception, not the rule. And so if you don't have in your mind, first and foremost, not to just give information, but to share the gospel through that, that's problematic. How can a person be a disciple if they don't have the Lord? I'm suggesting something by what it is that I'm saying of these disciples when they meet Paul. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And so there should be no surprise sometimes when you have people maybe in your, your neighborhood or family or friends, you're talking to, you know, about the things of the Lord, that sometimes the, the hang-up is they don't have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, that's, you got to start there first. That's why it's lesson one in, in the, the Midtown version of it, right, is lesson one, because sometimes people get saved lesson one. Praise the Lord. That's incredible. But we want to make sure that we steward that well. The other thing is that we want to make sure that we understand that you are just the vessel and that their devotion should be to Jesus, not to men. It is super easy in discipleship. When you're teaching somebody something, that you become the, that person's like, you're, oh, you're everything. No, you're nothing. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> right? See, the thing is, but like, and, and you got to be careful. This is, and how we know this is true and I'm guilty, have done it, said it. So the guy that discipled me is Troy Stogsdale. I'm proud of him, and I kind of on some level want you to be, to link me to him in his walk because he discipled me. It's silly. Or even my disciples that say, oh, well, I, I was discipled by Dale. Who cares? Like that's, am I special? No. <laughs> I'm a nobody. I'm just a, I'm just a, uh, a kind of cog in this great machine that, that the Lord has going on. See, the fact that these guys end up saying to John's baptism is problematic. That's problematic. That doesn't link them back to the Lord, right? And so this is something that we have to be mindful of. Do not take the glory that is due the Lord because you're investing in the souls of men. It's the same for parents, you know, Sometimes parents take pride in their kids. and You had some involvement, but they are thinking on their own. Be careful. There's just a, a hang-up of pride there. In 1 John 5, 9 through 12, it says, if we, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which is he testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not that God hath not made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life, and he that hath not the son of God hath not, hath not life. If all I'm doing as the person that is investing the word of God, even myself currently, as your leader of faith fellowship, uh, I, yes, there's a, a calling on my life where the Lord has said, you are my key man in this scenario. But let me, let me be crystal clear. I'm only going to step out of the way and just say, let's look at the Lord Jesus together. Okay? That's the focus. 
that has to be the, the way that we kind of look at that. And so as we just kind of understand that integrity, those are areas of concern. That sometimes that our um, desire to, or our rather, our fear of the gospel makes us just want to give people the information around it without getting to the brass tacks, which is, do you know Jesus? And then the other is, we like a little glory coming our way. We want people to think highly of us. And so if you have successfully completed discipleship and have led somebody you know, to the Lord or led somebody in discipleship, man, be careful. Just step out of the way. They are the Lord's. They're listening to the Lord. And so my question on the floor to you this morning is this, who discipled you? Now everybody's like, Ugh. <laughs> I'm not going to. Uh, Jesus, that is the correct answer. <laughs> that is, that should be the correct answer. But if you find yourself, and if you have found yourself constantly mentioning uh, who it is that discipled you, man, we are grateful for those individuals. Man, I love Troy. I even had a chance to go on a mission trip with Troy. And the guy that I had invested in was on it. We, it was three generations right there. Man, those things are great. We get a chance to celebrate those things, but we want to just hold them in the right light. You're just a vessel. We want to make sure that we are highlighting these things properly and we steward these things well. And so you guys notice in our picture that we have this, this lighthouse. It's interesting. What I just wanted to find out, what is the purpose of a lighthouse? Now, I, I kind of knew vaguely, but I just wanted to see like official. And this was from the NOAA's.org's website, which is, you know, the uh, uh, oceanic kind of governing body that looks over wave patterns and all of these things. So this came from them, right? And this is what they had to say. Lighthouses and beacons are towers with bright lights and foghorns located at important or dangerous locations. They can be found on rocky cliffs or sandy shoals on land or wave-swept reefs in the sea and at entrances to harbors and bays. And get this, they serve to warn mariners of dangerous shallows, perilous rocky coasts, and they help guide vessels safely into and out of harbors. Man, don't we have somebody in our life that does the same thing for us? Man, Jesus Christ very much is the same. Man, he's warning. He's guiding me in and out of the harbors of my life. And it just made me think, like, he's, he's the key feature. We cannot lose sight of the fact that Jesus is the key feature that we have. It's super easy in ministry for us to get sidetracked with all the kind of underpinnings that go along with ministry. And we just lose sight of, I'm doing this because I love the Lord. I'm doing this because I have a relationship with the Lord. I'm doing this because he told me to, right? And so when we make disciples, we want to always make sure we make that transition, make that connection for them. And so we'll kind of get into that more. and We'll see, did John really do that? Um, we'll see. Our doctrine in here that we need to make sure that we cover uh, and just understand is in order for men to be disciples of Jesus, they must first receive the gift of salvation. I mean, that is just clearly being taught in this, which is why there has to be this discussion between Paul and these disciples. 
our context, obviously we know this is the early church history where Paul is on the second trip to Ephesus. We kind of mentioned that as well. And so just as you understand, remember early church, there's gonna be some things that are just unfamiliar to us that are taking place that you don't see today because this is early church history. Okay, so our central idea obviously is biblical discipleship and this is gonna lead us to our first key point is discipleship is rooted in God's word. Discipleship is rooted in God's word. If we look back at verse 1, it says, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. I don't think there is any mistake that they mention Apollos because maybe they thought, and the Lord said, you're going to forget what I said about Apollos in chapter 18. So I'm going to bring his name up again. And he had the same foundation as those disciples. So now, without going back, I'm just, I have for you, and I think we have it listed, what is it that the Bible says about Apollos? The first thing that it says about him is he is mighty in scriptures. Number one. Number one thing, mighty in the scriptures, even though with this foundation now of John's baptism and hearing this Mighty in the scripture. Then it goes on to say, instructed in the way of the Lord. Then it says, fervent in the spirit. The Lord is laying, uh, laying it on pretty heavy about our dear Apollos. It says also that he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord. So these are all the things that it says of him right out the gate. When I think about what happened with discipleship and where sometimes it breaks down, it's not necessarily that it was John's fault. But whoever that next person was that told him, told him the right things. See, this is where sometimes we got to be careful when you are the third and second, well, second, third, fourth generation disciple. There's a really cool picture uh, that was on stage. I don't know if you guys saw it with Kenny Morgan and Andrew Ong and Man Kid. And there's LSAOs a part of that. A foundation too, right? I mean, tons. How you know that this thing is going right is that those disciples are rooted in God's word. You have, you have to see that. Mighty in the scriptures, instructed in the way of the Lord, fervent in the spirit, spake and talked diligently the things of the Lord. These are all, this is all recorded of him in Acts 18. Then it says, Aquila and Priscilla had heard about this guy, clearly, Man, he loves, he loves the work of God. He knows why he's doing what he's doing, but there's some things that just need to be ironed out. And it just simply says of him, they took him and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Then it says after that happened, <laughs> the brother advocate for him. He goes to Achaia and he becomes useful in ministry there. And there's something I want you to turn the page back that's kind of interesting in terms of do we know if discipleship has been rooted in the word of God properly? There are two verses. So the end of his kind of like, you know, intro is in verse 28. It says, for he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Okay, go back up to verse five. Verse 5 says, and when Silas and Timotheus were coming to Macedonia, Paul was pressing the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Oh, message sent. Did Paul 
disciple, did he clear up anything with, with Apollos himself? We saw that it's Aquila and Priscilla. We see that the information that's being passed on is coming from the word of God. So the, the thing is, then how you, under, how you understand that and what you want to do is, man, stick to the script. <laughs> you don't have to go off script. Just stick to the truth. That's, this is how we will have steward discipleship well, is that there is a word that we have that should be our absolute authority. If we deviate from that, guys, we are not going to make proper disciples. This is not something that the Lord wants us to be playing around with. It should be that the things that Paul has said are the things that now Apollos can say. And when you think about the people that you have invested in and maybe that person that you think so highly of that invested in you, man, does that disciple next say the same things? Do they see the ministry the same way? Has that heart been transferred? And I know, listen, you're, we're, not Holy, we're not people's Holy Spirit, but the thing that must be understood is we're going to have problems if not. If you start making it fit your own comfort level and where you're willing to uh, go and not go, what you're willing to do and not do, man, discipleship doesn't need your two cents there. In John 8, 31, it says, then, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, I love that we kind of get the chance to see a humility out of, out of Apollos to allow Aquila and Priscilla to reprove him. And that didn't stop him from doing what he loved, which was, which was the ministry. See, I think that we have to understand something. There's always going to be reproving times that are part of ministry development. I get it. James gets it. Sam somewhere, I don't know who <laughs> is doing that, but Sam would get, you know, there will be some times where there are going to be people that are going to be able to speak into your life the whole way through. And you want to allow that process. It's very important to allow that to take place. There may be some things that have happened in your life and you just have some difficulties that, you know, you're wrestling with this part of scripture and that, you know, there's a leader that has seen that in you and they're saying, hey, this is actually what the, what the Bible says. Let me hold you accountable to that in a loving way, right? Man, you want to let that process happen. If we're going to say that we're disciples of Christ, then I can't get offended when now I'm being reproved by God's key men. Or in the case of the ladies, key woman. Or in the case of the ladies, key man. That's, if I'm saying something to you, right? I think it's interesting when you come to verse 2, and it says, And he said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said, and then we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Why? That's problematic. It is particularly problematic because in Matthew 3.11, it says this. I indeed, John the Baptist saying out of his own mouth, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fires. He mentioned the Holy Ghost. These cats have never even heard about him. There's a problem in discipleship. We've now gone off course. If these guys don't know and have not heard about the Holy Spirit. That's not what John said. It's recorded. 
for all of us to go back and read. He did say. He always made himself not the highlight. He wanted to make sure that there was going to be another. And so it's just something I think that we kind of have to wrap our, our minds around. There's, man, the devil's in the details. We've got to stick to the details of Scripture. It's going to help people just to, excuse me, um, understand what it is they're doing. And, and you know, kind of where you see that in life is that essentially people sometimes will take their circumstances and say, now this outweighs what the Bible says. And so I'm free now from Bible's truth and I'm going to do this in my flesh because I'm uncomfortable. I'm mad. God owes me. Man, does God owe us anything? No. If we're talking about what it is that Jesus Christ has done, okay, so I'm going to leave my perfect place because I love you. Come down, live this perfect life, fulfill the law, then be tried and convicted to go to the cross for you. Willingly, I'm doing it. Get on the cross. Become all of sin for all of mankind, die, bury your sin with it, and then be resurrected. What does he owe me again? <laughs> Nothing. He doesn't owe me anything. But I tell you what I owe him. I owe telling his story as it is. Stick to the script. Do not let the circumstances dictate where now you are all of a sudden, I'm going to follow the Lord in this way because it's easy, but not over here because it's challenging. There is an integrity to discipleship. If we're going to call ourselves disciples of Jesus Christ, we've got to follow that. This tells us again, like we said, John wasn't their immediate disciple. Like we said, these guys are in Turkey. Uh, John died fairly quick in the process. And, uh, and so just as things were going on, well, of course, you know, it's like the whisper game, right? You start one way, and then by the time it gets to the end person. Are you guys old enough to have played that game? <laughs> <laughs> Those older than me are like, are you old enough to have <laughs> I do remember that. We played in school once, and for sure, it was wrong. By the time it got to the end, it was like, what happened? What did we have a breakdown? I just said directly what, but it happens. It happens. Praise God that we have an absolute authority that we can always go back to, and we're not just going off of oral tradition. I know sometimes we like to treat it like that. <laughs> we have a word. Get this now. In your minds, I want you to understand something. Ignorance is not sin, but it's also not an excuse when God makes sure you have access to his truth. Ignorance is not sin, but it is also not an excuse when God makes sure you have access to his truth. So don't even fix your lips, as my mom would say. <laughs> don't even fix your lips to give some excuse to God or why you can't obey him in his word. <laughs> well, Lord, this I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> He's gracious. He might say it a little nicer. I don't know, though. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. Key point number two, discipleship has one instructor, Jesus. Discipleship has one instructor. And if I'm doing it right, I'm going to make sure to convey that message. 
to my disciples so that I don't get, I don't step in the way of the glory that is due the Lord Jesus. Yes, I want the people that uh, I minister to to love me. I, I'm the kind of personality that I like people to like me, uh, right? Um, but that can go so far to where it's like, oh, worship me, kind of, right? I want to be your everything until that's exhausting, <laughs> right? And you're like, no, I don't want to be your anything. <laughs> Stop calling me, you know? <laughs> and so there should be a good balance, right? Parents know this. When they're little, they do call you all the time. I often laugh. Serena and I have a friend that uh, is a mother of two, and she used to hide in the bathroom when they were little because they would just call her name. And she said one time, and so it's funny and kind of weird in the same way. She was like, they would put their little hands underneath the, <laughs> just like, Mama, Mama, where are you, Mama? <laughs> It's like a horror film. That's why they used to use little kids in a horror film. <laughs> and so, man, aren't you, but listen, don't you like, don't you love when they grow up and it's not completely like that? Like they still want you around, but they, they're not doing that to you? That, man, that's a great process. The problem is they go too far and then they're teenagers and they're like, why is your door closed? What's wrong with you? It smells like feet in here. <laughs> Let's get back to the, the text here. Verses 3 through uh, um, 5 says here, And he said unto them, Unto then, what, uh, excuse me, unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. And the thing that we have to kind of understand is remember in Luke 3.15, People did think too highly of, uh, of John. They thought he was Christ. Remember it says, and as the people were in expect, expectation, all men mused in their hearts of John whether he were the Christ or not. I mean, that, the dude was doing his thing. Now, he probably looked a little weird and kind of wiry, muscular dude with just a loincloth. I hope he has some more clothes on by this time. And remember, he's on that diet, you know, locust and honey diet. And so, <laughs> kind of a weird-looking dude. <laughs> Still, they're like, is this the Christ? You sure about that? <laughs> you seen this guy? Look at this guy. Um, <clears throat> and so we see that, again, like I said, just that John's baptism has spread to uh, that, the testimony of that repentance, rather. We can talk about um, spread from Jordan to Turkey and, like I said, maybe, maybe even um, uh, Alexandria in Egypt. The thing is, I think that there could be a case. One, there's nothing really concrete on Apollos and where he learned it. But just if he had spent any length of time in Turkey, then it could have been that he got it from there as well. You know, it doesn't matter. And it, you know, it's just one of those things, kind of neat thing that the fact that it spread at all is surprising to me. Uh, verse four says, and then said Paul, John, uh, verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. Man, he's, he's clarifying this. He's clarifying and just having the people understand, listen, that this is just the first step. If you think about what repentance does, it, it definitely does not have the same weight and gravity that remission does. Remission is pardon. With repentance, I have to keep doing it. And so, yeah, there's obviously an attitude of repentance where I want to turn from sin and go, and go that way. But if, if my salvation was solely based off of my ability or frequency of repentance, we would be in trouble, right? And so the thing is, is that you want 
remission of sin, which is a pardon. That's what Jesus provides. And so this is why John's deal, well, uh, brother, I don't really want your deal, <laughs> right? Let's get to this Jesus thing. So then when he shows up, it's like John is like, man, I'm, pretty, I'm done, really. He's right here, <laughs> you know? And so fantastic. Just great little insight right there. Verse 5, and when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And now this is something that we got to hold on to. This is absolutely critical, man. 2 Timothy 1.13. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Listen, the things that you've learned in this church, that you've learned in discipleship, you want to hold fast to those things. The things you're learning in Bible study as we kind of get together and get, and get in Bible study, there's something that the Lord is, is teaching you. He's wanting to tell you and instruct you on, right? You should be looking at the Bible as this is, this is the key to unlock all of my issues, how I think, how I feel sometimes. Man, do I hold it in such high regard or have now I have just kind of phoned it in and I'm just going to play church by being faithful to come. I'm involved in ministry and da, 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 and life's happening and I'm really not letting the word of God like break in and get through and like sink down deep. Because, man, I'm telling you, there are those days that come ahead that you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. And he's like, it's in my word. We need to meet. See you in 30 minutes. <laughs> see you at lunch, see you at break, see you in the morning, see you at night. Listen, I, I'm not here to try to give you some kind of timeline in which you need to be in the word. I'm just saying that you, I guarantee you, you got things going on in your life that requires that you must be in it. You got to be in it. You got to hold fast to those words. Because if not, listen, your, your flesh is always fighting for number one. And your emotions very much want to tell you, I'm God in this situation. And then what happens? You handle things emotionally. Has that ever worked out well for anybody? Man, when I'm emotional, oh my God, I can, I can be angry and, and vengeful and wrathful and all these different things. When, when it's the word, I can look at it soberly. I can say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you before I choke you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Say it in your head. <laughs> Don't say that out loud. <laughs> and then in Jesus' name. That's what me and my brother say. In Jesus' name makes it good. If you just say that at the end, whatever you said before works. <laughs> Get this, though. I, I, I love this. This is something that when I read it, it just punched me straight in the face. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. See, you got to understand something about blindness of the heart. Blindness of the heart is a choice. You're making the choice to be blind. And listen. There is this enlightenment that has come and has taken place on the earth and still, well, people will choose to ignore it. And he says, be warned, don't act like that. In verse 19 it says, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness and with greediness. That's only the fruit of that. And I love this great reminder. It's just like a boom. 
but ye have not so learned Christ. Okay. <laughs> I love it. He set you up. He just wrote that so eloquent. It's like all of these things, right, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Why? Because you have not so learned Christ. And then I love this. This is the caveat here. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. See, that's the only way then 22 through 24 is going to work out that you put off concerning the foreigner conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Only that takes place when it's Jesus Christ that you have met. This is why he has to be the chief instructor in discipleship. I can't hold you to that. Whoever's discipling you can't hold you to that. I can, I can only hold you accountable to what our Lord said in his word. And then, you know what, in discipleship has to happen a lot of times, you have to step back. That's hard, right? In discipleship, you just warned them, there's a cliff coming, you like, don't, I'm, don't keep walking that direction. It's a cliff, it's jagged rocks at the bottom of it. And they just, and you're like, man, I told you. <laughs> Let me throw this lifeline down there. Cause I love you. It's not like, well, I told you, good luck. <laughs> right? You gotta give people the opportunity to just get in front of the Lord themselves. They have to do it. It's not, listen, you're, the eloquence of how you say something or you planned it all out, you got it all laid out, you studied it and looked at everything. And listen, they got to get in front of the Lord Jesus themselves, just like you had to do. And that's a hard part. We want to rush people in front of the Lord Jesus, right? We want to shove them in front. Now it's got to happen. And I love it. Again, there's a reminder here. That's the only way that they're going to put off that conversation of the old man. And so as we're rounding out to the end here, the last thing, discipleship prepares us for the ministry. Discipleship prepares us for the ministry. If we think about the integrity of it, right? Um, if I'm a disciple of Christ, I shouldn't just be sitting on my hands doing nothing. Anybody heard that? <laughs> I think this idea that somehow I can just get out of that, um, well, is wrong. <laughs> and so what do we see here? These last two verses. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophecy. And now here it is. This is where things get a little bit weird for us. We saw this before all the way back in Acts uh, chapter 2. It says this, 4 through 6, And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. In his own language. What you have to understand there is verse six is very critical because it's saying that there's a multitude of people from different places. And these tongues that are being spoken are the tongues of the various languages there. There is this confirmation that's just taking place where now these Jews are looking at like, um, yep, 
all of this is true. I'm in. And the church grew exponentially during this time, just because now you have people that were kind of like, I don't know, like they're really in. And so when we think about it, why is it here, though? We're many chapters removed from that situation. It's something interesting that Matthew Henry kind of uh, helped to just kind of highlight here. I want to read to you. It says, this was intended to introduce the gospel at Ephesus and to awaken in the minds of men an expectation of some great things from it. And some think that it was further designed to qualify these 12 men, verse 7, for the work of the ministry, and that these 12 were the, become, would become the elders of Ephesus, to whom Paul committed the care and government of that church. They had the spirit now of prophecy. We saw that they prophesied at the end of that and that they might understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God themselves and the gift of tongues that they might preach to them every nation and language that they would have access to. Because you got to think about Ephesus. It's a port city. And so it's a city that's going to have traffic from all over the place, right? And so that would be highly needful. And you just think about the book of Ephesians, which a lot of um, uh, the scholar says, like, it's an impersonal book. It's not, like, directed to a, a point. But, man, it's, it's very... Uh, encouraging. Like it really highlights something in, uh, in Ephesus and just in terms of where that ministry uh, was, was taking place. And so then it goes on to say, oh, what a wonderful change was here made on sudden in these men. Those that by just now had not so much as heard that there was any Holy Ghost are now themselves filled with the Holy Ghost for the spirit like the wind blows where and when he listed. And so this laying on of the hands is kind of a, a critical point. And I want you to just understand something, okay? And this is just good for us as this preparation for the ministry. And if it is true, because we don't know, there's nothing that really says this. Uh, we would have to, you know, look outside of, of the text in order to really see if anything came of these men, like in a historical sense, rather. Because in this text, that's all you get is just what we see right here. But I want, I want to just clue you in on whether or not did Paul do this recklessly, is this something that he would have just done haphazardly? No. In 1 Timothy 5.22, he says, Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sin. Keep thyself pure. Why does he say that? In light of this, this is very interesting. Perhaps it is that dear Matthew uh, Henry is onto something, that these individuals would now be fit and ready to join into that ministry that's taking place in Ephesus. Clearly, Something is amiss in terms of the information gap. If you think about it, Aquila and Priscilla were already there. Aquila and Priscilla were able to talk to Apollos. Why not these cats? Maybe it is that Aquila and Priscilla dropped a dime and said, hey, um, you need to talk to these guys because maybe they're being disruptive, right? And they're not just, they, they're not keyed in and I'm not high enough on the rank. And so when Paul shows up, he clears them up and they go in. And now you got 12 guys you just added to the ministry. And in particular, 12 guys that he laid hands on. Very important. Very important. So listen, as we conclude, this is my conclusion. Discipleship is precious and given to us by God himself. Don't tarnish it with weak doctrine or by putting yourself in the place of worship. And lastly, by provoking, not provoking your disciple to get involved in the work of the ministry. Why? Because you have not so learned Christ. And so on that note, listen, um, as I said about the gospel, uh, that's where we have to start first. And perhaps it is 
that of some of you just thinking about, man, I'm not even a disciple of Christ because I don't have Christ. And maybe it is that we need to have a conversation. Let's talk about the gospel. Man, I'll show you in scripture where it says that he is the son of God. And he did resurrect. And he is alive, seated in heavenly places right now. I serve a living God, not a dead God. Not an imagination. Not a, not a creation out of my own mind. The living God. And so, on that, um, let's close in prayer and just consider those things. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much just for... Um, your time with us today, Lord. And I do pray that today um, that people would consider the integrity of discipleship. But first and foremost, Lord, we have to just consider what it is of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Lord, we are so grateful. We can't even have this without that. And so, Father, thank you so much um, for sacrificing a son to make many sons. And uh, Lord, I'm even more grateful uh, that Jesus sits in heavenly places right next to you. Father, would you just be working in the hearts and minds of people as they consider your word this morning? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.